Hey, dear listener, thank you for joining us for this, the 300th episode of the QQ Cast. It's momentous. We're proud. We're shocked. We're doing a regular episode. It's a regular episode with Mr. Matt, an AI expert, talking about AI in a regular podcast format. If you're looking for something a little crazier, go back five episodes to Quest 295. That was our 10-year anniversary where we had an army of special guests come play Jeopardy powered by ChatGPT. That was Quest 295. Can we beat ChatGPT at Jeopardy? It was a ton of fun. Please be sure to check it out. But again, thank you for joining us on this episode 300. Now let's get to the mic check. And we are recording again. Looks good. Woohoo! All right, I'm gonna yell at Ruli. All right. Yell at him. Make him feel bad. Hurt his feelings. And then do it some more. <laughs> Kick him in his emotions. Do violence on his ego. This is really escalating. That's a uh, that's a topic we haven't covered. Ego, death, and you. It's the Ruli. Is, every- is everything okay? Oh shit! Yeah, now that you're here, everything's fine. Fantastic. It's good to hear. Ruli, tell us everything's okay. <laughs> oh, it's not okay. It's going up into like all the flames, but it's. it's very pretty. <laughs> Not what I needed to hear. Let's do this. Welcome, dear listener, to the QQ Cast. Today is July 13th, 2023, and we're your hosts, Hunterpod Zach Mayer, Raul Torres, and special guest, Mr. Matt. Say hi, gentlemen. Hi, gentlemen. Hi, gentlemen. Hi, gentlemen. I like how the guest was the first one to say it. The rest of you are hesitating. Wait, wait, I've done this 300 times. What do I say? We really needed to highlight it. Like, we didn't want him to just fade into the background. I'm trying to... I I don't know any Spanish. I was going to try to say, like, buenos noches. (laughs) I... Hola, senor. Yeah, I don't know. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) And this, dear listener, is the huge milestone quest three hundred uh gentlemen that's that is absolutely positively insane we had our two or sorry two <laughs> we had our 10 year <laughs> anniversary two months ago and now we have finally crossed the 300 threshold and matt i could not think of a better time for you to return to the podcast because tonight's topic is drum roll please when will robots replace us it's not a question of if it's a question of when hopefully tomorrow because i really want a three-day weekend <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Mr. Matt, just for, for dear listener, um, you, sir, have been a bit of an expert in robotics and worked in that field for years. Um, now, I've always just considered, considered you a genius in general, but do you have any, any credentials you'd like to lay on us about AI or how you've been working with that recently? Yes, I've been working with AI and robotics for, gosh, I guess, 15 years now. Yeah, recently I've been uh, the started a new role at a nonprofit where we're a uh, multi-decade experiment in digital consciousness and mind uploading. So we're building a platform to uh, just collect what we call a mind file of just everything uh, that would be any, any record of your life would go into your mind file and then building AI systems on top of that to make what we call a mind clone. So basically you could have your own AI trained off of all of your data. That sounds like an absolute fucking nightmare to me, sir. But uh, <laughs> I love awesome. it. Well, I love everything about it. You say that, but isn't that what Google and Facebook and Amazon have been doing with all of your data anyways? And that is why I uh, thank God every day for the European Union and uh, GDPR. And I opt out of data and do 
everything I can to stay under that radar as best I can. Are we just talking about ego death? Yeah, no, I, I love the concept. I could definitely see how the world would benefit from more of me in it. <laughs> just saying. Is that a pickup line you use often? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so gentlemen, I have a whole bunch of questions here. Uh, that I've kind of sort of prepped for for this section of the podcast. Uh, look at that, dear listener. It only took 300 episodes for us to come half prepped for an episode. So I figured we actually start out kind of like a QQ review, and I wanted to ask you guys, uh, and this is just kind of the elevator pitch style answer, what are you excited about with AI, and what are you worried about with AI? And hopefully that'll be a springboard into the rest of the conversation. So let's go from least qualified to most qualified. Zach, you go first. Burn, baby, burn. Oh, God. Wait, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What are you most excited about and most worried about with regards to AI? Okay. Let's see. Most excited about. You know, I, I love... God, I can't believe I'm going to say this without, like, making fun of it. Generative AI is really fun right now. I mean, it's kind of the thing that everybody's been talking about, so it gets a lot of press with GPT and all that good stuff. But all of the art platforms, uh, mid-journey and stuff like that being integrated into things like GPT and the other large language models are super duper fun because they feel like they are, they're not intelligent in the sense of like a general AI would be considered intelligent. They're very much artificially intelligent in their very narrow domains. But bringing some of those domains together, and especially creative domains together, you know, art, writing, literature, all that good stuff. Hey, chat GPT, please mix together art, writing, literature, and all that good stuff. Today we're having an official debate on what the best ice cream flavor is. It's chocolate chocolate chip. No, it's orange sherbet. Guys, it's easily Neapolitan. You remember when people used to talk about like the 10x engineer or the 10x employee, the person who would come into an organization and just like, you know, augment everybody else around them, make everybody more productive just by being there. That's what generative AI feels like. It feels like it's a collaboration creatively with what people are already doing and it makes things better. On its own, it doesn't do a whole lot. And yeah, it could probably be abused. You see some of the things like the integration with GPT and Python, uh, just giving it an open terminal on your machine sounds like uh, just all kinds of fun. <laughs> but that I think is offset by the creative potential. Like it's an idea generator as much as it is a chat bot and the mid journey stuff combined with it is just super cool. So that part I'm excited about. So what are you afraid of? Uh, have you seen how the military AI uh, started targeting its own operators in simulations? <laughs> no, I was going to save that for QQ News. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, we talked about that a little bit. That was an amazing story. Oh, it was so good. Matt, do you know that one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's that's the kind of shit that I'm worried about is these are really they're they're ultimately math right and it's just really complex math and we don't understand how all of it runs at the same time in any given instance so that makes it a little bit unpredictable 
And when you don't consider the edge cases, or you don't put the right bounds on the system, or you just let it loose without understanding what it is that you're really letting loose, yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's a recipe for some kind of disaster, whether it's large or small. So yeah, it's, I think, less to do with the systems themselves, the AI systems themselves, uh, than the, how those AI systems would be deployed. Uh, there was a call a while back, uh, you know, leaders in the space of large learning models, especially the guys behind GPT, were uh, calling for kind of like a pause on AI development, right? Like, hey, this has been a big leap forward. Maybe we should take a step back, see what we're actually dealing with and understand it better before we keep pushing that envelope. Can't put that genie back which, in the bottle. Yeah, which on the face of it is like, okay, yeah, well, maybe you shouldn't have made it an open API that you're charging money for, because then that that call seems a little bit disingenuous, right? <laughs> hey, guys, we just released this product. Maybe everybody else should back off a little bit. Well, we make This money. could be dangerous. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, I don't so... think that's a bad idea, though. Like, back off a little bit, see what we've got. It's just, I, it's not going to happen. Yeah, not going to fucking happen. No. Okay, Ruli, what are you excited about? What are you worried about? Oh, I thought I was going to be what I was excited about. Let me go excited first, because there's too many things <laughs> to be worried about. That's what I said. What are you excited about? Yeah. What are you worried about? Oh, I didn't hear the first part. Okay. So, um, kind of actually the human side of things. Um, it's actually been kind of interesting to see the hype train, for lack of a better term, kind of forming around AI and like the arms race that is going on with various companies and organizations. You know, there's a lot of open source stuff coming up, like uh, trying to learn a lot, a lot about the uh, hugging faces approach where they've got open source models of the whole closed source things that, you know, open AI was, you know, supposed to be open and then it's not. So uh, it's really fascinating to see how everyone is just getting on this bandwagon as quickly as possible. Um you know, in, in a world where our phones look almost exactly the same, we only go to like five websites and those websites all look the same. It's ho- hopefully some competition will make some pretty cool stuff happen. Or we could just end up with 35 chatbots and nothing else happens. So <laughs> um, as far as what's kind of the worrisome, scary part, um, I think that there's a lot of very interesting and fascinating tools that will don't really do that much, but can probably cause a lot of chaos, you know, from the, uh, just the image generation thing. Um, I believe I was seeing something somewhere. I'll see if I can find it was just basically saying, we're going to get to a point where, uh, we can no longer tell if a photo is real, you know, or if it, you know, if it, historic pictures or anything like that was Abraham Lincoln really wrestling a bear? I don't know. The, the picture is so accurate, <laughs> I can't tell. We know he killed um, vampires. That's so, the historical record. <laughs> yeah, so th- things like that, um, a lot of the voice simulation stuff, I think that's going to be another very interesting harassment slash really cool tool. Um, I know we've talked about the uh, Joe Biden, Trump, Obama, um, what's it called? A TF2 oh, sessions. presidential discord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Today we're having an official debate on what the best video game is. It's got to be Minecraft. There's nothing like it. Nah, GTA 5 is better. Bro, GTA 5 peaked so long ago and Minecraft is way more diverse. All you do in Minecraft is walk around and collect stuff. Bro, there's actually no way you think that's all Minecraft is. Guys, I think we're all forgetting about the greatest video game of all time. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Just just hearing that, it, it's um, it's horrible because you can tell it's fake. 
but it's like maybe like a year or two to just being like completely seamless and like utterly like you can't tell the difference. So there's there's a lot of really crazy fun harassment just social destruction things that I think they're going to be on the horizon. And I, I if if we can have like memes change elections, I I don't really know what other social changes are going to happen right. very quickly. So. Total we're already so awful. bad at media literacy as a species it's just gonna make us worse no uh but like there was I, I was flipping through one of the streaming services on roku uh and i saw a shit you not reality show that was like do you remember the show cheaters unfortunately never saw kind an episode of, sort Disclaimer. of never yeah saw it was it, yeah well it was i was in one um they uh the the premise of this new show was hey is your partner cheating or is this a deep fake <laughs> why not both like <laughs> is it cake is it a deep fake and somebody's making somebody there's already a reality show about your fear ruly so <laughs> oh jesus okay well hey uh matt before we hand it over to you uh the, the true professional here i'll just quickly add i don't have a whole lot to add but i'll say that the excited part I, I work in the games industry. I've worked in that now for over a decade. And so I am very excited at pretty much what Zach was talking about, content generation. The ability to, like, high-fidelity gaming, high-fidelity dev is extremely expensive and slow. And bringing that down will give, you know, more games, faster content, faster release dates, things that don't take a fucking decade to make. But also, I'm really excited about that for the indie scene as well. The ability to right now pixel graphics are kind of the shit because they are relatively speaking so easy to make and roguelikes are the shit because again they are relatively speaking it's not that they're easier to make it's that you don't need to hardwire in content and cutscenes and stories to do them so i think as ai evolves that could really take the indie scene to the next level by empowering these you know small teams or independent creators to have tools to be more productive in ways that they just couldn't now so very video game centric way of looking at it nothing really profound there and as far as things I'm afraid of, fucking all of it. I am an old curmudgeon. I'm the man that yells at the cloud. I'm a, you know, a data privacy fucking paranoid asshole. And so, yeah, especially misinformation kind of stuff really was touching on. I think it could usher in fairly destructive stuff given how, uh, I mean, I would say reliant, but maybe dependent we all are on digital media and yeah, deep fakes and news. And again, you really talked about election cycles, which we try real hard to not talk about politics on this podcast. Well, how are we going to decide the best president? I think I can decide. Abraham Lincoln. What's up, boys? Bro, you're the best president of all time, aside from me. So it, oh God, it fucking terrifies me. It's inevitable. We, again, we can't put the genie back in the bottle. So I have no idea what to think. We'll see if you guys can calm down my fears over the course of the podcast. But all of that said, Mr. Matt, what are you excited about? And what are you worried about? Our new robot overlords. And our <laughs> new robot overlords. Are listening, hence you're excited about them. <laughs> Um, well, excited about a lot of things. I mean, it just, um, I think it's a big breakthrough just in language processing and AI in general that, I mean, even if developments were to stop today, there are just so many, so many different tools that can be built around this stuff. And so, I mean, we're seeing just the image generation, speech generation, video generation, um, yeah, full 3D scenes, full 4D scenes, where you can just go and recreate any any viewpoint and a period of time for a 3D scene. 
So there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out. And then on the, the video game side, I think a lot of, it's going to help a lot there for just, yeah, generating new video games, um, taking out a lot of that tedious work that goes in it. And then just also, um, there will probably be some interesting things from just in terms of breathing new life into old video games. You know, I'm sure there will be plenty of failed attempts, too. But, I mean, you can imagine just um, how easy it is to just could be to reskin old Up, Upscale games. the fuck out of it. Yeah. And then also just redo a lot of the content, too. Give a lot more depth to uh, different NPCs and um, all kinds of things just on a, a fully automated basis. Yeah. So A uh, side note on that, again, just from my you know friends and everything else in the games industry there is still really a big line a big divide there where you know the bean counters are obviously very excited about that but designers and artists really don't feel the technology is ready and really it's not just a is it going to replace us i I think people of, of high skill are not worried about that but they're more concerned about oh man you know to the untrained eye this art may look fine but this is not ready for prime time this is not polished this is not ready so it's it's kind of interesting. I could agree not, with that. Yeah, not all companies are really jumping on that train. Uh, my company has made a whole AI team, and I'll talk about that later. It's not actually for content generation as such. But sorry, I just wanted to interject as you were talking about generating, you know, upscaling games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of, a little bit more development. Um, but there's been a lot happening in that area where you can um, do the text-to-image generation and also provide a 3D model for it to work from. Um, and so I think that stuff's gonna advance quite a bit where you'd be able to get like consistent tile sets. I mean, it'll, it'll take a while before it's up to like high quality games and kind of past the indie games. Um, but then it can also transform the way that we kind of think about um, maybe certain genres of games. Like you could uh, have different skins for a game and also different content set to make the same same sort of uh game structure work like you could just go and reskin say world of warcraft with a starcraft skin and if you had something to also regenerate the content as well um or like all the npc dialogue and the quests um just based off of some central plan um that then just gets reviewed afterwards you get to have one game that's reskinned in uh many different ways and say a bunch of people could be playing will look like very different games but all meshed together so it sounds like we're all very interested in content generation coming out of ai and i, I think that's a pretty natural thing to be interested in mm-hmm. but okay let's get to yeah. the dark side of the question well, mr matt what are you worried about well first on the the excited thing oh yeah go ahead on a on the theoretical level, there's a, a whole lot more to be excited about, and I think this is gonna reshape how we really look at language itself, where we're gonna kind of finally move past the whole Chomsky idea of having like a formal grammar that is what gives language any sort of meaning. I think it's pretty clear that that's not true, and that there needs to be. Probably a more something along the lines of uh, statistical approach where you just kind of pick up words, how they're used in context. I mean, that's how like people talk with slang and jargon. They're not. I communicate through or, meme. 
Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. That too. One person on this podcast got that joke. Chaka, when the walls fell. <laughs> there's also like Not it. there's this <laughs> Not it. there's this fun regional thing where people are have started like dropping the to be from phrases. Like if you said something needs to be washed, they'll just say needs washed or needs driven or needs you know whatever mm-hmm. verb um and it bothers me it does <laughs> i hate it but at the same time like i understand exactly what they're saying and that's become just something that a group of people decided was an acceptable way to get the the idea across and you know what i i can't fault it there's nothing wrong with it except if you go by grammatical rules that somebody decided at some point were correct making air quotes that you can't see so yeah no i think you're right uh (laughs) language is going to get reduced down to it's like phonemes of meaning rather than having to rely on the structure of it to get that yeah so I, i see the large language models as a like a mathematical formalization of language uh we've we have a model now you know it happens to be a hundred billion parameters or or what have you so there's a lot of work to kind of condense that and get get something a little bit more elegant that we can really use um but so i think it's going to change how we really think about language um to not be so word-based and also incorporate other aspects like body language, and that we'll start coming to uh, language theories that will extend down to other animals and plants and just be a a more general concept of uh, communication. And so I I do think that uh, we might actually see something like animal translators, and that could be really cool. Oh, yeah. How does meat communicate? It flaps its meat. At each, they flap their meat at each other. They blow air through their meat. It's weird. To be fair, I do know when my dog wants to poop, so this isn't unrealistic. <laughs> uh, yeah, you trained up your AI model of your uh, your 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 dog's communication. Wild. Yeah. So, All right, Mr. Matt. Scared. As far as what about. I'm scared and worried about i'm not not too worried about the what i see as the common fears of just like that we're gonna enter some sort of a post-truth era where you can't recognize what actually happened i mean if you put things in historical context like audio recordings themselves aren't very old like um and then pictures and video even shorter than that the Humans have been around for for quite a while without even having images or videos that they could share with each other to uh, uh, talk about some story. So I I think the fact that we're like not able to fully trust something that we've only had for a couple hundred years isn't isn't going to be that big of a deal on the grand scheme of things. Um, God, I hope you're right. And uh, and also, I mean, there's also there's not a lot that the AI could do that you couldn't just do with a dedicated team of people. Uh, if you really want to doctor a photo or make fake videos, uh, if you have enough resources, 
you you could do it. So I don't I don't see anything there like fundamentally changing. It's just that it's opening things up to people with less resources. I don't know. It feels like the scope and the scale could get wider, but I mean, you're not wrong. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the like, I'm, I'm with you mostly to a point. Uh, the uh, the bit about like, yeah, we haven't had audio recordings all that long in this in the time scales of human history. Uh, we sort of it, it's a it's a really recent development that we've started to take you know any kind of record as truth right whether that's uh the printed word or audio recordings or pics or it didn't happen uh all of that acceptance of the new media as a way to view the world and decide what is is fairly recent and it's really i think come down to a matter of scale where we've just had so much information be made so readily available to us recently that it's it, it's different than it has been because like in the in the past before a lot of the media that we take for granted today was available you had sources of truth like large organizations you know heads of state churches uh all you know your your local town crier what have you what you know about the wider world outside of what you directly experience is really just kind of fed to you through a very narrow pipe that's pretty centrally controlled and now we have this pipe that's not even one pipe it's a whole bunch of everybody's their own little uh director of reality and sorting through that can be tough but I'm also kind of with you. I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the thing that is the scariest piece because like, we've been dealing with media for not a long time, but in that time, we've gotten reasonably good at figuring out what is and isn't true or what is and isn't worth being called fact. Uh, not great. By any means. I mean, I Still, haven't. Every know, time I open Reddit, I post pictures of improvements. to you guys, and I'm just like, "Hey, is this real? Because this can't be fucking real." <laughs> yeah, but can it's I, the the instinct to ask the question is what I think is the <clears throat> the root of that. Like questioning what you see is the new instinct. That's not something that was always a thing. You were told something in the past by an authority, and you believed it. Now, so you believed everything you, question. you saw on TV? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Sesame Street was, was 100% real. Really, really, you want to say something? Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to say something, too. So, um, I think one of the other things, too, that, um, from my understanding, because it's totally naive understanding a lot of this AI stuff, is that, um, I know we're talking about, like, humans being susceptible to misinformation, but from my understanding, it's the same thing from the AI side that actually might even be just as brittle to interject things into it that may, might cause the uh, systems to just go completely belly up. Um, I think this was another story we talked about a while ago where um, you can just basically throw a couple of like QR symbols on things and that'll just basically like make image recognition just crash completely and think that you're a banana or something totally random just because of you know how everything works behind the scenes with the neural nets and just that little pattern we've seen and i guess you're a banana now forever so 
I, I really wonder too, it's like how much, like as much as like, I see a lot of people wanting to have dependencies on these tools that, you know, like uh, what was the other, the, the Microsoft bot that you could just really turn it into Hitler bot in like, you know, with two days of conversations. <laughs> so it's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of brittleness in our systems. I mean, that's typically human systems, but you know, it's with, uh, with AI and, and anything technical. It's when you fail, you can fail really fast and really hard. So I think that's, that's another thing that's going to be interesting from like a worrisome perspective. Okay. So I want to move us on to another, uh, another point in the conversation here. So uh, gentlemen, how are you using AI today? Who wants to go first? I mean, is is a is a voice gate AI? <laughs> yes. Have you used that on a podcast where you read choose your own adventure books? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the one of the tools that I probably use most often that you guys also might end up using the most often without even really thinking about it is. Um, uh, who has an NVIDIA video card? I Just don't me? even know. Yeah. All I have is a laptop. <laughs> um, so I, I, well, okay, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Uh, so NVIDIA has this fun bit, DLSS, um, that they introduced as a way to improve frame rate without losing quality. And basically, it's deep learning super sampling. You can upscale whatever image is being emitted from your video card to fit your monitor uh, by running it through a deep learning neural circuit and fill in the gaps. Uh, you know, make the, get rid of the jaggies, uh, reproduce frames between renders so that the frame rate your monitor thinks it's running at, you know, 120, 240 hertz. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to match what your video card is emitting at the same rate. So you can be running a 60 or 58 or some other odd number uh, frame per second out of your video card and still see nice smooth visuals on your 120 or 140 hertz monitor. That is a really cool application of AI that's almost invisible and it's meant to be. Um, that's probably the most, the that's probably the biggest use case that I have for it at the moment. But as far as like actively using AI, I mean, dabbling with like GitHub Copilot has been fun. Yeah, um, I've also been doing that. I uh, I still have this idea, and I and I tinker with it every once in a while that it wouldn't take a ton to get a uh, a Discord bot <clears throat> hooked up to ChatGPT and have it run like a D&D campaign. But uh, yeah, other than that, like, yeah, it's, it's, there's lots of toys, but it's hard to integrate them into my existing workflows. Well, and part of that is me. Copilot is, I mean, a work tool and I have been using that. Mm -hmm. And there are times I find it extremely impressive. And there's other times where I'm like, that, that word makes no sense. <laughs> so, so far, it really just feels like a next level of IntelliSense. Um, even though I am very impressed with it, it is not a game changer by any means yet. Has anyone else been using any uh, programming tools with AI? I've used ChatGPT I mean, I, a little but... bit, but not directly for programming. Tried, and uh, the, the results were always too mixed. Yeah. Uh, it would be better just to write it yourself. Um, but there have been a couple things that it's uh, been pretty useful for. Things are a little bit more 
obscure. Like every once in a while, there's like some obscure Linux command that I need to run and um, can ask ChatGPT about it or um, really any sort of uh, configuration file. Seems to know any configuration file people have talked about online. They'll tell you how to how to format it and, and all of that sort of stuff. So I found it uh, pretty cool for, for that. But the, the actual code uh, has a little bit lacking. Really? What about yeah. you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've used ChatGBT a little bit just to throw it, be like, hey, can you write a Python script or a Bash script or something? But on, honestly, like, I'm just thinking of all, like, the quote-unquote boring things that I use. It's just like, would we consider, like, you know, the magical keyboards we use as AI with spelling checkers and all the magic of just auto-completing? That's just, you know, that's all AI, right? Um, I don't I know mean, how the actual kinda. autocomplete's powered. I don't think so, but I guess it depends on your definition, maybe. Autocomplete runs on Markov chains. <laughs> and you know, just, if, uh, how do you want to define AI? Yeah, yeah. I, can, yeah I mean, that's... that's I can school, obviously, in the AI class, you learn about decision trees and Markov chains, essentially expert systems. And that was AI class, but we, we I love Markov chains. AI anymore. It's like feed in all of Moby Dick into a Markov chain and have it tell you about the weather. It's so much fun. <laughs> um. <laughs> let, me, let me throw a couple other ones out there really quick. Uh, like the face detection on um, my images, like I have everything uploaded in Google and, and Tom will hate me for this, but like if oh, I want to see pictures of my kids, I'm just like, hey, here's a picture of my two-year-old. Show me all the pictures of my <laughs> two-year-old. And then huzzah, magical picture time. Uh, and then like, the whole like Siri, Amazon, whatever you know, hey Google, like it's it's NLP. That's like all the natural language processing, all the cool stuff. It's 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 funny how I think it's kind of. I would say that it's maybe like day to day life things that you probably don't recognize, but like there's a crap ton of those things that are just probably entered like the boring phase, right? Oh yeah, no. Uh, every time that you, every time that I talk to a machine. <laughs> <laughs> whether it's like the um nsa spy block in my living room who shall not be named uh or Thanks, my phone or whatever i uh, love the wiretap i love it so much it's so useful uh yeah no the picture thing is super duper great like i love the gallery on my phone because pretty much anything that i put into it I can search for in some context, like I could find pictures of my cats. Uh, I can search for text that may be in an image, um, you know, any kind of metadata. It's super duper cool. And yeah, I could see how it's a little creepy for sure, but it's more useful than creepy to me at the moment. Okay, so as far as work goes, uh, our, t our company has hired a small AI team to start doing a lot of research into how we could use it. So obviously, you know, they've run experiments with content generation, not anything is in the game like that, and we're not anywhere close. But uh, one of the most useful things they did is just set up chatbots to um, be able to look through our documentation and say like, oh, hey, what's in the patch notes for this? Or ask some question about it. And that's been super useful, just, you know, rather than having to like search through Confluence and figure out where what doc is documented where and this, that, and the other thing. It's like, oh, this could just kind of aggregate that and let ask, let's ask questions. Meanwhile, at ChatGTP's annual performance review. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand that? 
What the hell is wrong with you people? So that's actually been super minor, but super useful, to be honest. Uh, especially in a world where, like, my company's full remote, so you can't just walk up to people, you can't hear things in the hallways, so how do you know where to look, how do you know how to find it? Uh, that's been a super useful little project. That nice. is fun. Sounds cool. Been yeah, doing a lot I... of similar stuff myself, just using uh, using GPT to process a bunch of different documents and um, kind of extract all of the different facts and build up a different knowledge base so that then later you can ask it questions and it'll uh, look at that knowledge base and provide a bunch of context to uh, answer, give you a good answer. And I found that's been very helpful because like it, uh, in a lot of cases, just eliminates all the hallucination problems where once you're kind of constraining the problem or the task you're giving GPT to say rewrite all of the, or pick from this context and there might be like you know 20 pieces of uh text in there and pick the best things in there to write a response to the question um suddenly it's a like a language transformation task instead of just asking it to recall something on its own yeah i love that we said you know what we've got this problem with so many competing specifications for how we have expressed our data. You know, video, audio, text in a, a million different websites in a million different formats from XML to JSON to YAML and said, hey, instead of trying to build one spec to rule them all, let's just use AI to sift through it <laughs> and bring in the surface, you know, sift through the context of all of that to bring up hopefully the most relevant bits. Um, but then, yeah, using it in the the more narrow cases, you know, your personal documentation, your company's documentation, um, yeah, that's still a decent amount of content, but it's all much more focused than doing, you know, all of the white papers on, I don't know, nuclear reactors and all of uh, the fan fiction on a AO3. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fun stuff. So it's a it's living truly living documentation. Yeah, like I start I had a project that I started going through and having GPT like generate comments for each function. I was doing a pretty good good job and I was feeling good like finally getting getting comments in this code base but then it's like if uh, GPT is doing it right now there's only going to be better AIs pretty soon that could be specially trained on commenting code uh, what's what's the point in like polluting the code base with a bunch of generated comments when it doesn't really add anything to uh, what tools will be around pretty soon, just like having auto-generated comments and explanations for functions um, that could pull from whatever human-written comments are there. Just as didn't make sense in the end to follow through and actually have an AI-commented code base. It's actually kind of interesting. It almost is kind of a weak connection, but, you know, I love the keyword var or in some languages it's auto or whatever. And that's because, like, I, I can either infer from the context what the variable is, or the compiler will just tell me and autocomplete that. And so the concept of just having an IDE that is effectively 
kind of an AI assistant. It's just like, yeah, 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 I can tell you what all this is without, like you said, bloating the code and checking in comments that will get out of date that might not be accurate anymore, that might not accurately represent something. That's actually really interesting. I've never thought about that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So I was thinking like what might be useful if you had the time to do it would be go through and have AI generated comments come up and see if there's anything that's wrong. And then just for those areas, you could like add a little little hint in there or or maybe it's a sign that that code's not clear. I need to clarify it a little bit. Slash slash don't trust the robot. It's lying. This is a, this is an unsigned they, integer. They lie a lot. What I want to know is, out of all the stories you told me, which ones were true and which ones weren't? My dear doctor, they're all true. Even the lies. Especially the lies. Okay, then so another next... thing that I've, uh, okay, uh, go ahead. That I've been doing is uh, trying to use it for help documentation generation, um, getting it to just uh, write the actual text for help, help documentations. I've been able to... Uh, well, I've had good results of using my automated tests as the input for that, where I would give it a bunch of different automated tests and just say, well, describe describe the functionality of the website that's being tested. And so it can go through and it's using the test. And it's like, oh, you click this button to go here, and then you click this button to go there and do this select thing to change this. And um, it can make sense of the test and write some uh, pretty usable help documentation from that so i think there's going to just be a ton of different uses that people are going to find i've got a good friend who's been uh, is a contractor and has been using ChatGPT to write a lot of documentation and diagrams for him because like he's still doing the work but he's like why the hell should i write this up so um (laughs) yeah okay so uh i want to ask another question and then maybe after that we'll see if we'll move on if we're we're spending a lot of time on this maybe we'll move on to, to news and trailers um so one of the big worries, it seems, out there, and legislation is basically non-existent for it right now, is intellectual property and plagiarism when it comes to AI and content generation. Mm. I obviously think this is a concern. I don't really have any suggestions about how to handle this aside from, I don't know, can we get log output from the generators and say what the inputs are, which might actually make no sense depending on how much it's throwing in there. I'm wondering uh, what y'all's experience or opinions or anything is with intellectual property and plagiarism with regards to AI. Oh, man. It's it's such a can of worms that I... It's hard to comment on. Uh, At this point, I think it's going to be a question that needs resolution one way or another, and there are enough people clamoring for an answer that we'll probably get one you know before the end of this decade at the latest uh, and maybe sooner but the uh, the number of people the number of artists influential people you know the kind of the kind of influences that got Napster shut down are looking at openai and chat GPT as a threat to their intellectual property <laughs> in very much the same ways. And I don't know what that's going to mean because the context is different, right? Like Napster was explicitly set up to be a piracy tool. <laughs> uh, you could you could couch it in whatever language you want, but like, yeah, that was kind of its goal, right? Was sharing 
uh, copyrighted material. But I could use this flamethrower to take care of the old leaves out of my lawn. It's a piece of lawn equipment yeah, if I try exactly. real hard. <laughs> it's not. It's not a war crime. It's a snow clearing device. Um, GPT though is very much not set up for that. Like yes, they are making money on their API, like everybody else with an API does, for good or ill. Um, but like they did use a lot of copyrighted material that they scraped off the internet for their training data. So I think it's going to come down to is it's going to come down to a reevaluation of what fair use means. And that's a real hard question to answer. And it's a real hard one for like considering in this podcast. One of the, one of the interesting uh, CYA things that I, I heard about recently was with, um, Adobe, I think they have their what their Firefly tool, which is like a mid-journey competitor type thing or something like that. Yeah. And um, one of the things that they were saying was that supposedly all the images that they trained on were from all the clip art stuff that was submitted to them. Which surprise, if you uploaded anything to Adobe, you're now training their algorithm. Um, but one of the things that they were saying, to at least kind of um, help folks out who may be worried about any litigation, was that if you use the Firefly tool and you're sued and you actually lose, that Adobe will pick up the cost because they were supposed to have, you know, their their stuff trained on things that they already had the license on. So uh, it's it's interesting to see, like, are there is there going to be more of like that CYA type thing where folks are just like kind of promoting that you know promise that we'll we'll handle the legislation for you know we'll, we'll handle the litigation costs for you or something else but it's it'll, it'll be it's it's for me it's the wild west it's going to be really crazy to see what happens mm. mm-hmm. to me I, it's like the yeah. only the only real issues whenever an ai like straight up plagiarizes something or reproduces long pieces of copyrighted works. That's the only thing that could really get into question, but I've never been a big fan of copyright myself. And <laughs> yeah. I don't see any reason why we need to start adding new laws to make copyright stronger, to restrict what I can do with something that I own. Like if I own a book, I should be able to use that book to train my AI. Just yep. like I should be able to read it and go and write some fan fiction if I want. Well, like even YouTube has policies around the kind of audio clips that you can use uh, for copyrighted material. If you want to use a part of like the Star Wars opening theme, you can as long as it's less than five seconds, right? So stuff like that. I, I feel like there are bits and pieces of what you could call a legal framework for the use of copyrighted material for training sets in AI, they really just need to be brought together and codified. But they're so disparate, so spread out, and there are so many people involved that I I, I struggle to see how it all comes together in the end. It could take a bunch of different shapes. So, yeah, well, I don't we'll... know what needs to be codified. I mean, what's what should be illegal about training in AI? Well, it's not necessarily what needs to be illegal. It's maybe more what needs to be explicitly declared fine. Um, You can train me as a human. I can read Lord of the Rings, and then I can write my own shitty fanfic or, you know, plagiaristic porno of Lord of the Rings, and I still (laughs) violated copyright. 
So, I mean, it's, I don't know, man. Whatever you feed into it, it can spit back out. If it doesn't actually, how do you define fair use? How do you define uh, enough deviation, right, with the music? And the what was the stupid uh, ice, vanilla ice plagiarism vanilla thing? Ice. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we have the laws there. It's like, what is a derivative work? And yeah. what is a copy? And so, I mean, we already have a law there, and it's like as far as impersonating some someone and making a deep fake, there's laws around like what is fraud and what is not fraud. If you use someone's likeness um, just in some sort of a parody or a, you know some funny video, that's that's not a fraudulent use. But so do you do you feel do you feel that the existing if not laws, framework that is in place, like legal framework around this, is a, a sufficient or at least is a sufficient starting point going forward? I think some people are, and I, I'm not educated enough to really know, I think some people are concerned that this field is evolving so fast and it will be so hard to distinguish might, might be copyright or not coming out of an AI that... Uh, I would be more worried of us just uh, making some knee-jerk reaction and trying to pass laws so that we can say we did something. Oh, you don't need to be worried about that. It's going to happen for certain. Something horrible? Because, <laughs> I mean, like, what's the outcome if we try and restrict it and say, okay, well, we have this new class of copyright where you can't use this for training AI materials, and most publishers are going to sign on to that, and so... For most people, that just restricts what's available for them to use legally. Mm-hmm. And so the only people who could be AI players at that point are the people who already have been hoarding lots of our data for you know the last several decades. Oh, the optimism. So yeah. <laughs> why lock ourselves out and just lock them in because yeah. people are crying that it's not fair otherwise? This makes no sense. Yeah. No, and... I, I'm I'm with you 100%. Like I don't think that we should close off any of those uh, opportunities for an AI system to get access to data in which to you know, use for training. Um, I think the question that is being asked and the answer that we get, the, those things need to resolve one way or another. And I hope that they resolve in that favor because there's a pretty good argument and you just made it for keeping the access to training data for AI as open as you can. You know, there's all this antitrust, you know, stacks of laws and, uh, you know, examples in case law for what anti-competitive behavior looks like. Passing legislation that explicitly contradicts that doesn't seem like it would be a good idea, but it could definitely happen. So I hope that we end up in a good place. I think some of the questions are worth asking and getting resolution on so that we don't keep asking them and kind of put them to bed. But uh, yeah, yeah nice. maybe it just comes down to, hey, if... Uh, <laughs> it's the same rules for every other piece of fair use. Maybe we do already have the fa- the framework, and we say, yeah, you know what? You've got a generative AI that's, you know, producing art, and it's trained on all of the images on the internet. But if anything that it generates uses, uh, or uh, contains five percent or more of one particular copyrighted work, that's 
explicitly not allowed because it's well, it's a rule that you can build that, into the system but the restriction that's already in place is that if you're going to train something on copyrighted works you need you need to own a copy of it like you would have to go and buy all of the books or have some licensed access to those to those books so i, I think that there is a question around a lot of the um uh qualms around them just scraping things off the internet that might be copyrighted works. Um, it depends on how that was all aggregated, because there's just some big data sets that have been contributed to by lots of people. And so, and that's why works. Twitter and uh, Reddit have private APIs now. What a happy mm. ending for all of us. Yay. <laughs> all right, well, uh, gentlemen, this is a hole with no bottom. Uh, thank you so much for getting super nerdy. Raul, I want to give you the last word because you've been quiet for a while. So what is the last word on AI? Um, well, y'all, you're, you were talking about like our robot overlords. Um, I still haven't ever interacted with a printer that works, so I am <laughs> not afraid of anything at all. Let's put AI on, on fixing fucking printers because they've been fucked since the 70s. <laughs> what was that joke about... Uh... You know, IT professionals don't use email, and we keep a loaded gun next to the printer in case it makes an unexpected noise. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, First we have to get to... It, but I like it. <laughs> we have to get to our sponsor for this evening. After these messages, we'll be right back. But gentlemen, oh my god, we have two sponsors this evening. We have both the Steam Stummersdale and Prime Day, both with just ended, but I just, that's a shitty-ass segue, so I wanted to ask, what did y'all buy on the Steam Summer Sale and or Garbage Day, i.e. Prime Day? Not everyone at once. Matt, did you buy anything from anywhere at any time all at once? I, I, I didn't do anything on Steam, but I, I wasted too much money on Prime. <laughs> I'm sad about it. God damn it, Zach, also, I have... I can't hear anything because I have text-to-speech on. I know you do. Shut up. <laughs> Maybe you should quit using that AI system, Tom. Matt, say everything you just said again. I wasted too much money on Amazon. <laughs> Alright, what what did you... What's your, your top purchase on Amazon, and was it Prime Day? Uh, yeah, it was all... All Prime Day. Um, top purchase. Probably a second paddleboard. Oh, that's fucking sweet. Hold on, though. Did you go to a website like camelcamelcamel.com and see what the price history of the product was? Uh, no, but for this one, I had bought it before. Oh, okay, okay. I was getting a second one, so I, I, it was legitimately 30% off. Okay, because I, I, the only thing I considered buying on Prime Day was a new soundbar for my TV, because mine's dog ancient. I'm like, yeah, I could probably get something better. And I was like, ooh. This thing is 50% off. $400 soundbar down to 200. That's great. I went and checked Ooh. online. That thing like 2 weeks ago was 300 bucks. Then they cranked the price up <laughs> so that they could put it on sale and make it sound better. So it was still technically 33% off, but they wanted it to look like 50 fucking assholes. Yeah. Oh, Zach, you buy anything on Prime Day? Uh, no. Not really. There there's not a whole lot that I really needed at this point. Um I did get a second paddleboard, but it wasn't on Prime Day, <laughs> so that was fun. Man, was... all the cool kids have fucking paddleboards. Are all y'all inflatable? Right? Zax, I know you are. Uh, yeah, Zax, I know you. 
English so hard. Zach, I know yours are. Matt, is yours inflatable? Yeah. God damn it. You cool kids. I mean, they're just too easy. Like, you can't ship a non-inflatable paddleboard. Yeah, I assumed. But, you know. You also don't have to worry about it popping. <laughs> Zach, we'll have to get all four of our paddleboards together. Make a little island. <laughs> oh, yeah. We definitely do. Are you going to be uh, pirates out there in, in the, the Puget Sound to just go up beside people and board them? Uh, probably. <laughs> probably, definitely. You know, I, I saw somebody uh, somewhere inflating this huge fucking paddleboard. The thing was like four or five feet wide and long enough that it still had the paddleboard shape. And I'm like, holy shit, I could stand up on that one. Uh, <laughs> it looked fun. Ruli, did you buy anything on either Prime Day or the Steam Summer Sale? Uh, yeah, so like, spent a couple Lego things. There was some like Lego five minute build book that I got for my kiddos. <clears throat> and um, the, um, is it the paper light light whatever it is whatever e-reader i just mine's been getting a little bit older and i've been wanting the, the latest one i want something new and shiny so well what's what is the feature of a new e-reader i'm i'm so out of touch here because they're all uh lcd displays for low energy right like what is there a new feature that's awesome is yeah, it higher dpi all the e-ink stuff it's all e-ink i don't know it has better backlighting stuff like Honestly, it's um, my, my stupid crusade right now is to slowly get everything to just be USB-C because I get tired of having like <laughs> the wrong wire every single time. Yes. I, just, I just want full USB-C all the things now. It's true. I think the only things left in my entire collection that are USB, that are micro USB, are my Shocks, Aftershocks head, uh, headphones. And God, there's one other thing and I can't think what it is right now. Everything else is USB-C. I have nothing that charges via A. Which is fucking awesome. So when I travel, I can just bring USB C now. Oh god, that's such a such a small, nice first world thing. <laughs> <laughs> and no, nothing yeah. on Steam. Okay, well, so I didn't buy anything on Prime Day, but I'm gonna give a shout out to uh, a couple of games that were for sale on the uh, summer Steam sale. It's too late. Steam summer. Oh my god, I'm dyslexic. But it's too late. I'm pimping these <laughs> after they're off sale. So fuck it. One is this little auto battler called the Dungeon Beneath. Oh man, it's 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 cheap, but it's a lot of fun. Made by one guy. Another is Mage and Monsters. It's a little uh, RTS auto battler. It's a really tiny game, but it is really fun. And then the last one is actually this really weird puzzle esque game. It is like the most chill thing you'll play. Like I just one time I just paused it and left the soundtrack on in the background for an hour to chill. It's called Dorf Romantic. That's not spelled anything like you think. D-O-R-F-R-O-M-A-N-T-I-K. I don't even know how to describe it. Think of like a city building board game puzzler chill as fuck game. And that doesn't even describe it well at all. Highly recommend you check it out. Um, and I picked up Stray because eventually I would like to pay, play that game. So yeah, yeah that's, that's it. it. Okay, okay. It. okay. Wait, wait, who's, wait, echoing? who's echoing? Matt's, Matt's echoing. Matt's echoing. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. I can hear my voice. I can hear my voice. Uh-oh. <laughs> my headphones just uh, disconnected for some reason. That'll, That'll do it. it. That'll do it. Let me uh, see if I can fix this. Echo! Echo. Oh. Better? All right, gentlemen, let's get to the news. Good news, everyone! Great news, everyone! Bad news, everyone! Uh-oh, I don't like the sound of that. You are? 
All right, y'all, I've got a couple of headlines here. So we've been off for three weeks for a variety of reasons, and all sorts of crazy, bizarre shit has happened. We had uh, the war in, in Ukraine took some interesting twists and turns. We had the submersible sub going down the Titanic that imploded. We've had uh, the Reddit mods getting fired. We've had Elon versus Zuck. We've had all this crazy shit. And the only thing out of that I did want to touch on, I, I want your opinions, is what's going on with threads, right? All the bullshit about Elon wants to sue Meta because they hired people he fired, blah, blah, I don't care. So threads apparently has had one million registrations in five days, whereas TikTok took nine months to accomplish that and Instagram took over two years to hit that number. So what's y'all's take on, on threads, on Meta, and... Uh, I guess we can throw Mastodon into that, and Blue Sky. Sorry, all all the all the uh, projects into that at once. I, I have some thoughts, but I want to know what are your thoughts on on what's going on in the the metaverse and the Twitterverse and all this bullshit social media. I don't know. I haven't signed up for Threads. I'm so tired of it. <laughs> I'm on Blue Sky. Okay, you're on the Dorsey train. It's better. Rolls on the exhausted train. I feel you, bro. I feel you. I, I I signed up for Threads. Um, I saw a couple of people people say that um, it basically tracks everything from like, are you using headphones? What's on your screen? Whatever. So I made a single post and then I uninstalled the application. I'm like, never again. I I don't trust Meta at all. It's not even as far as I can throw them. I don't trust them one one bit, one iota. I don't trust them at all whatsoever. So I will never ever ever go on Threads. I mean, I've also heard that, like, if you try and delete your Threads account, it makes you delete your Instagram account, too. That's a good which thing. Which is super fun. New I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not a big, big mystery why they were able to get so many users so fast. Yeah. So they, yeah. They already have the users. So it could have just been a feature that they added to what they already have. But I just, I'm with Tom. I don't understand. It's like, why... The whole reason to be on Twitter was because it wasn't Facebook. And it to Zuckerberg. Why would you go back? Go back to Zuckerberg. I, I think it's because Elon is just such a dweeb that... Yeah, yeah. But, like, so I, I think that Elon is more overtly an asshole. But I feel like I fear that Zuck is more kind of subtly or subversively an asshole. Uh, I don't trust either of them. I don't think they have anyone's best interest in mind. Uh, I'd say except their own, but I'm not even sure that's fucking true. Um, oh God. So I will throw out on the AI side that I'm, uh, for the first time, I actually kind of liked Meta and Zuckerberg because they did. They were the ones who released the the Llama model that kind of spurred yeah. all of the open source stuff. Oh, did they release it or was it leaked? I thought it was leaked. It was leaked, but because they released it in such an open way, I think that was their kind of whole plan have it leaked and because uh, they weren't going to go into business of trying to compete directly with chat GPT. Which is fair. It is a cool model and very fun to play with. And a lot of things are being built from it. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. But it's like the, the one thing that they've ever done. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah. So my, my only real thought on this aside from, you know, I don't trust uh, meta whatsoever is that I'm kind of concerned, uh, Zach, you said you're on Blue Sky, I'm kind of concerned Blue Sky is just getting the party a little bit too late. I feel like if they opened their doors before Threads, maybe they could have gotten a better foothold. Do you guys feel like 
at this point, they're out of the running? Do you feel like it's still anyone's game? What's your take? So, um, do you guys remember when Reddit was new? No, I'm way too, yeah, like way too old for that. Yesterday. Yeah, that's what Blue Sky feels like right now. The kind of conversations, the people that are posting the content that's in there, that's that's it, it's early Reddit. Um, and I like that. It's comfy. So It's a- still got very much like kind of a Twitter look and feel, which I'm not a huge fan of. I hate Twitter's UI. I, I never got over their like weird middle out thread presentation. <laughs> uh, it just, it bugs me to no end. So I never really used it. And Blue Sky doesn't do that as much. Um, but one of the things that I really like about it is that it's basically got a timeline for the people that you follow that is chronological <laughs> and it also has a bunch of separate little discovery feeds that you can you could make your own discovery feed if you want you can give it different parameters but uh, you, know, you can find different discovery feeds from other people and so you've got like things like science creator discovery feeds um, you know writer discovery feeds and all this other fun stuff and yeah, you sort of just curate your your list of people that you want to follow. You can go find stuff pretty easily, but it doesn't force this weird algorithmic uh, content discovery mode down your throat the way that Twitter and Facebook ultimately ended up doing it. Um, Reddit dabbled in it with like the what's hot versus new versus controversial, whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean it's it's pretty bare bones, but bare bones is good. And so, like I said, a lot of the content on there, it's mostly the content that that I'm really enjoying right at the moment. It just feels like early Reddit. That that description matches. Uh, I did try signing up for one Mastodon server because these content creators that I like said, uh, "What's the name of it? Kind dot social is what I signed up for." And that's mm-hmm. how they were describing. Is they feel like it's the original old days of of Twitter where it's just like a little community of, you know, people that you know are, are chill and have chosen to come to that that particular shard and are just posting basic content. There's no algorithm. It's just timelines. And they seem to say it's a really nice, feels like the good old days social media platform. Now, I've never been to social media, so fuck if I know what that means. But as long as it's not ads and influencers inundating me with, with shitty, like, doom-scrolling news, I don't know. That doesn't sound so bad to me, gotta say. Just give me my space back. That's all I want. Oh god, I'll be I'll be your friend. No, it's really kind of confronting, like the the fallout of the whole Twitter ownership change directly, in my opinion. Of just like the the one thing that I feel made Twitter valuable and why everyone used it is because they put themselves out there as if they were more of like a public utility that they were yeah. going to be open and anyone can go there that's like that a government should feel comfortable using it as a communication platform for what they're trying to send out to the public and for a long while it was that but then they were managed to be sold and now it's not that anymore i mean just today there's a story of like uh somewhere in canada like an emergency road service was trying to uh send out tweets and they hit their limit and couldn't send out information in an emergency. It's like, okay, well, can't use Twitter anymore for that. And so while everyone's jumping from platform to platform, it's like that no one's really talking about, it's like 
none of these platforms are really going to be any different. They all have the same same risk there. So my vote, I guess, would be for Mastodon. Yeah, plus one, bro. All right, before we move on to and uh, wrap up with trailers, there was one more piece of news that I wanted to bring up because, Zach, you're going to be so fucking excited about this. Have you been following the announcements regarding Microsoft Flight Simulator 2024? You know, I saw it. I saw the headline and didn't read any further because I don't want to get overhyped. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to hype you a little bit. So All right. you, you can fly other types of vehicles such as helicopters and even hot air balloons. But then also you're going to be able to take on jobs. So whether that's uh, being a cargo pilot or a mountain rescue or aerial construction or uh, air firefighting, which would be really nice for people to practice up here where I am and shit burns all the time. Down here where I am? Whatever. Whatever direction I'm in. So, yeah, it sounds uh, it sounds like you guys are going to get some content other than just flying the jets. I'm wondering whether or not you and Trey are going to be all in on that shit. I mean, I will definitely play with it. Um, and yeah, no, the addition of like objective oriented gameplay, like really gameplay at all, um, isn't unwelcome in that space for sure. Like the flight simulator, the, the most recent flight simulator is a really good simulator and you can sort of treat it like a sandbox and kind of make your own fun with it. But like the fun of flight simulator is the simulator like having the uh <clears throat> call it the, the the whole the whole physics mechanics of aircraft and aviation uh, playing with the different characteristics of those modeled vehicles is just <clears throat> super entertaining so adding in an extra layer to that makes a lot of sense absolutely for sure and um I think a lot of people thought that it was going to just come as uh, like a community mod or an expansion on the existing game. But part of the reason I am sure that they've chosen to spin off into a whole separate title or into a sequel, call it. Uh, Call of just, Duty sells, baby! Well, there's that. It's not just the the added features and the gameplay gamification of the simulator. Um, it's also a lot of the technology decisions that went into the current gen flight simulator are not holding up. Uh, it is still a hungry, hungry piece of software. And you still, even now, need real beefy shit to get it to run on basically anything. Um, so... I would expect that the next iteration of Flight Simulator is taking a much harder look at its system requirements as much as they are adding features to the gameplay. So that's, uh, that, that in my mind, is a good enough reason to have a sequel rather than an update for the existing platform. It's, it's well, funny that you mentioned having clear objectives in the flight simulator. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if we're going to see some AI flight model coming out soon. Oh, my God. That was good. Wouldn't that was that, a good callback. Well, well you remember, uh, you remember um, the, uh, the competition between Netflix and HBO a few years ago was described as HBO was trying to, come, to become Netflix faster than Netflix can become HBO. Oh, you mean Max? Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Get with the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the right name. Yeah. So, uh, 
I feel like the same is true now with Flight Simulator and War Thunder. <laughs> Flight Simulator is trying to become War Thunder faster than War Thunder can become Flight Simulator. Uh, well, last last piece of news related to this, because you said the words War and Flight Simulator. Gentlemen, the Dune Thornicopter, Thropter, Thornicopter, whatever the fuck that thing is called, the flying bug thing, is coming to Microsoft Flight Simulator 2024. So, yes. I don't know if there'll be an objective to go to war and then fight the Harkonnen, but, or maybe just drop a kid off with some worms. Don't know. There's going to be a crossover. <laughs> oh, no, kids with worms. <laughs> uh. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap up with some trailers. Coming soon to a cinema near you. In a land that... No, in a land... In a time... No, I don't think so. In a land before time. Yep, yep, yep. <gasps> Okay, so I have a whole list of trailers here, but uh, fuck, fuck the boring ones. We're not going to do um, Ashoka. We're not going to do Dune Part 2. There is an interesting trailer called Squirrel with a Gun, but it's kind of boring to, to just listen to. So there's two trailers I'm going to drop in here that we are going to watch together. So first up, everyone here has played Katamari Damacy, I'm assuming. Yup. Yes. So what if I told you the new or the creator of Katamari Damacy has a new game coming out. Okay, I'm intrigued. Wow, look at all that excitement! Everyone's fucking pumped. So pumped. It is about a boy who is <clears throat> stuck in a T pose. For those who do not know, a T pose is a default position in gaming where you have your arms out in the shape of a T. <laughs> what is the gameplay? Fuck if I know. Let's watch this trailer. All right, I just dropped it into the mumble chat. Uh, let me know when everybody has it open. Good to go. All right. Count them down. Three, two, one, play. To a T pipe reveal trailer? At least the music's nice. I mean, it looks adorable. I love captions. Upbeat music. To a T. I want to change PJ. I want to try my face. I want to use the restroom by myself. Oh god, the dog's gonna help him pee? <laughs> the dog is gonna help him in the restroom. Oh no. So I had this problem the last time that I was in Mexico. <laughs> you had your arms spread out, you had a dog help you. Well, I, I went to... We, did, we were staying at a resort with a couple of uh, Callie's cousins, and they suggested that we do like a personal training session with this trainer that they like while we were there and I did and he ruined my arms uh, to the point where I couldn't bend my elbows enough to touch my face and we were supposed to go diving but I couldn't touch my face like my face mask and my regulator live there I wouldn't be able to breathe but did everyone around you tell you that you were the perfect shape no 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 I just sat and hoped that my arms would stop hurting so Okay, we're at the end of the trailer. Can anyone tell me what the fuck the gameplay is? That answered none of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. What was that game that was like um the the was it like walking simulator or something where you had like the uh QWEASD keys to control the individual muscles in your character's legs to try oh, and get them to the, run? Uh, that what it was? The Olympics one. QW. 2WSD, yeah, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. 
And uh, so that, <laughs> or like uh, there's another one where you were uh, a dude in a barrel with a pickaxe trying to climb a mountain. I don't remember that I have one. No idea what you were talking about. <laughs> I well, I'll no, actually, no, I do. I do know what you're talking about. It's this 2D kind of physics game. I totally know what yeah. you're talking about. I have no idea what the fucking name of it is. No, I don't either. But like shit like that, where you're just like trying to use uh, intentionally obfuscated controls to do a really simple task. That sounds too much like work. It does. It really, really does. So I have no idea what this uh, it could be, but that's what it makes me think of. <laughs> All right, good enough. Okay, gentlemen, one more trailer to watch, then we're going to call it an evening. How many of you have played Call of Duty Modern Warfare? Which uh, none, correct. Yeah. How many of you have watched the Amazon Prime show The Boys? Yes. Why would I bring up both of these things? Hmm. Let us find out. Oh, God, what is this? Ruli, tell dear listener what we're about to watch. Cod, Modern Warfare, Pipe Pipe, and Warzone X, The Boys, Bracket, NSFW Trailer Bracket. <laughs> the fucking boys are crossing over with Call of Duty. This is fucked up, man. This is so fucked up. Uh, Matt, have uh, you right. seen The Boys, the show? No, I haven't. Okay, I, I hear season three is weird, but I can't recommend season one, like, enough. It's, it's fucking crazy. So, uh, basically, it's the superhero deconstruction thing. There are superheroes, and they're complete narcissistic evil assholes. That's pretty much all I need to know. Three, two, one, go. Yeah. All right, let's Superman do it. Superman in the age of late-stage capitalism. Oh, dear God. Yeah, that's actually exactly right. All right, count them down. Three, two, one, play. Rated M. Blood and gore. Intense violence. Alright, yeah. This looks like yep. a COD trailer. Yep, so far. Oh god, it's Homelander. Going somewhere. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> have arrived for the Call of the Boys. Of history. They don't need powers to show their super. I love what that it's the, the uh the music from the the show when they're trying to like do propaganda for the superheroes. To save the day. I mean, I'm so glad you're here to save the day. Yeah, I'll cauterize this later. It's going to be a very unbalanced shooter, though, don't you think? <laughs> you know... Oh, no. You know what this makes me think of is... Um, I'll still crush you. Battlefront. And, like, the heroes in Battlefront, like, you... you, you, you rack up a kill streak and get Darth Vader or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I can see that. This just looks so fucking weird. This, this really looks like something that would be an April Fool's joke, but it's not. Call of the boys. Available yesterday. I'm pretty sure that, like, like, especially with, like, the whole zombies genre, I'm pretty sure that, like, there was, like, a Buffy mod. I mean, not a mod, but, like, a Buffy zombie killer thing. I remember, like, George Romero was in one, I think. I, don't, I mean, you've been on the moon. The whole moon thing. They always have some, like, really crazy, wacky, miniature level type things, so. I don't know. I thought this was the kind of thing that um, Fortnite did, not fucking Call of Duty, so I don't fucking know. 
Nah, I mean, I think I've seen enough random stuff in Call of Duty. It's 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 random, but not that random. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Please always remember that any views expressed on the podcast are representative solely of the person expressing them, not of their friends, family, co-hosts, or co-workers, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. Thank you much for thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for respecting our individuality. Zach really thanks again, and Matt, thank you so much for joining us this evening. You bet. All right, guys. This well, work hey. is copyrighted and may not be used for training AI models. <laughs> 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 fucking nice. Um, yeah, guys. I don't know. Thanks again. Three hundred episodes is fucking insane. Uh, still love it every week. I can't wait to hit four hundred. Um, I don't know. Let's just keep fucking going. Let's see how long we can ride this not gravy train. But uh, thank you, Tom. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, help me out. It's been just a hair over ten years, right? Yes. And 300 episodes. So yes. average 30 weeks a year that we're able to do this. That's pretty good. That's I mean, pretty like good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Not bad a for a more bunch than, of amateurs, I'd say. Yeah, a little better than twice a month. That's, yeah, solid. All right. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. Again, Matt, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, and until next time, dear listener, QQ. But wait, wait, shit. What music are we going out on? Uh, fuck. Matt, Matt gets to choose. What? We <laughs> we usually end the podcast. I like I edit in music, something that might have been appropriate. It could be a song, anything that was appropriate for for this. So uh, I don't know. Not the two thousand and one soundtrack. Gosh, you know it. We'd be on the spot. I'll right? go with uh, Yoshimi battles the pink robots. I don't know what that is, but it's playing <laughs> That's right the now. The name of a song. You want to song? I tell you the name it's, of a song. And it's playing right now. The name is Yoshimi. She's a black belt in karate. I just got bored. Everybody out.